Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we help you discover innovative startups in the outdoor sport industry. Join us as we tell the story of brands who are paving the way for the future of outdoor sports. And here's your host, Josh Salvo. Hey, Ready Eddy Podcast listeners. Do you love skiing, snowboarding, climbing, hiking, camping, surfing, kayaking, or mountain biking? Did you know that there are thousands of new outdoor sports startups launching each year with incredible stories and products that are revolutionizing their sports? At Ready Yeti, we are a community of outdoor sport enthusiasts that love discovering new brands and supporting the ones that make innovative, quality products and that have a drive to give back. At ReadyYeti.com, we give away products every two weeks from your soon-to-be favorite outdoor sports startups. Check out ReadyYeti.com and become a part of our daily growing outdoor sports community and be among the first to discover tomorrow's outdoor sport brands. Hello and welcome to the Ready Eddie podcast. I'm here sitting down with Chris Boyd, the founder of Slapbag. If you're not already familiar with Slapbag, Slapbag is a simple, small accessory pouch that mounts to the handlebars and stem of your road, mountain, cruise, fixie, or kid bike, and it opens and closes with one hand. So, Chris, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, chat with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Awesome. So, simplistically, if you were to describe exactly, you know, I know you eventually, you originally invented the slap bag um, to easily access food during adventure races around the world. Um, and obviously that can be used, you know, not just for food, but for, you know, your cell phone tools, really anything that you want to access uh, during riding. Um, but, you know, to give a little bit more of a you know, background to slap bag, can you sort of like walk us through, you know, the, the start, the process that really, you know, set you up to uh, launch Slapbag. Sure, sure. So a number of years ago, about 10 years ago, I was um, heavily involved in adventure racing. So I was doing, you know, multi-day and long adventure races where we'd be biking and running and paddling. Um, And, you know, we were progressing. We were getting better and more competitive. I was trying to get more fit. Um, But one of the hurdles I kept running into during the races was nutrition um, I'd, I'd be totally fit for the race. And then eight hours into an event, you know, I'd bonk or something and, you know, we'd, we'd slow down and that would be less than ideal for kind of team performance. So I was trying to come up with better ways to access my food. You know, I was finding that I'd finish these races and I'd have all this food with me. So food wasn't the problem. It wasn't the fact that I didn't have food. It was that the food wasn't in a place that I could get to, or it was difficult enough that, I had to take my mind off of the things I was focusing on to get to it. So it just never happened. Um, Some of the early tests that I had done, I was grabbing Ziploc bags and I was um, kind of zip tying them to my handlebars. (laughs) And I'd put things in there like goldfish, you know, something to kind of take my mind off the effort. Um, And the joke was, is that we'd be racing and mountain biking and bouncing over trails and goldfish would be flying out of my bag. And, you know, one of the, one of the core components of adventure racing is the navigation component where you're choosing your own route and choosing a better route than another, you know, competing team is often, you know, the difference between winning and not winning. So leaving a trail of kind of where you've been with goldfish wasn't ideal. So I needed to come up with something that was as easy to get to as something right there on my handlebars, but also opened and closed very easily. And that's really where the slap bag came from. It's simple shape, um, much inspired by the shape of a sandwich bag and, you know, opening and closing with one hand and 
the analogy we throw out there sometimes is a slap bracelet. Right. The toys you had when you were a kid. And that's really the mechanics of the bag. That's how it opens and closes. That's really cool. So how did you come up? Like, was it an aha moment where you like, you saw one of those bracelets and then you were like, I could totally use this and incorporate this into a bag, which would, you know, then totally, you know, solve your problem. You're right. So it was a, a moment similar to that with a slap bracelet and saying, wow, if we could get something that was, that knew two shapes like this, it knew, you know, flat and it knew rolled up and we just needed open and closed. And so finding something that would go into a bag that would make it open and close like that was kind of the trick. Um, So yeah, it was, yeah, exactly how you described it. It was like, yeah, we need something that's cool and clever, but simple and not Velcro and magnets and, um, you know, stuff that's going to, get in the way of your gear right no that's really interesting it always is something obvious that's like staring in your fit in the face and you're like whoa right this is totally <laughs> the solution yeah well now that you know i have slab bags on my bag on my bike i mean it just feels like it should have always been there right right that's, that's right. Really it's awesome. yeah like one of the names we kind of throw out like the marketing terms we're trying to play around with now is the glove compartment your bike always wanted Right, yeah. Right, it's the place where you put stuff, right? And it could be your phone. Certainly for me, every ride, I've got a couple of things with me and my phone's one of them and keys are usually another thing because I'm parked at a trailhead and I'm getting in a ride at lunchtime or you know, I'm riding into town with my family to go have dinner or pick up some stuff. And I've got phone, food, keys, money. Yeah. And yeah, you know, they need to go somewhere. Exactly. That's awesome. Now, is the bag waterproof? So the bag's made of a waterproof fabric, but the closure itself is not waterproof, okay. right? So it's not like a Ziploc bag in that it seals off from the environment, but the fabric is a, it's an X-Pack 21. So it's a, a very common fabric that you'll find in, you know, all the bike packing frame packs that you see out there, very strong backpacking kind of material. The unique properties for why I picked it primarily was the stiffness of the fabric and the waterproof DWR finish. It's a four layer fabric. That was kind of a plus, but really I wanted a a bag that didn't flop around, right? You're riding your bike, you're bouncing around the trails or you're riding your road bike fast down the road. You don't want this bag like, you know, flying back into you because the wind is pushing it. So getting a fabric that was quite stiff and durable uh, was important. And, you know, when I, came up with this you know that was 10 years ago now and back then i made about 12 or 14 prototypes i kept a couple for myself and then i gave the rest to friends and the ones that we gave out are still in use today i mean i have original slap bags that are 10 years old that you know they've been riding around on the top of my car for (laughs) for many many years right and i've seen a lot of miles and they still work great so when we got to the kickstarter and we were you know, finalizing the closure and improving some of the things and getting our patent in. Um, sticking with the same fabric was a, a really obvious choice because it already it had already been, you know, through the gauntlet. It had been tested. That's really awesome. So tell me, it, it's been 10 years since you created your first, or 10 plus years since you created your first prototype. You know, what what's taken so much time to get it to the point where you guys are now just wrapping up a very successful yeah. Kickstarter campaign. So 
I wish I could say I worked on it for 10 years. Um, <laughs> really, really the idea was bouncing around 10 years ago and got so far that it got turned into a prototype and I made 15 or so and handed them out to my buddies and everyone told me how cool they were. But you know, life gets busy and creating a product isn't easy and that really wasn't my focus at that time. I was kind of starting other things, a family and, um, you know, life. And <laughs> in the last two years is really when it kind of came back to me, right? I've got kids, they're riding bikes. I had my old slap bags. Um, I was getting back into some, some racing here and there, but really just enjoying being on my bike in a kind of less than competitive way, just being out in, in the outdoors. And I was using it all the time. And I was just looking at it thinking, is this another one of those ideas that I have? that I walked by on a shelf in two months and I kicked myself. And so, you know, with the support of my family and my wife and, you know, some interest from other people who are saying, you should do this. Um, I really just switched gears and said, okay, I'm going to put the time into it. I'm going to work on the patent. I'm going to improve the, the design components that could use improving and see what I can make of it. That's really awesome. And, you know, it goes to show like, you know, every entrepreneur always has that, like that notebook or bookshelf, like you said, filled with ideas that they've never. Right. And then they, I've got a couple notebooks full of them. Yeah. Same, same. same. And like, there are so Uh many ideas that like come to fruition that someone else did where I'm like, damn it. I had an idea like six years ago. And you're sitting around with your buddies having a beer or something and you're saying, oh man, that's my idea. And they're like, well, yeah, tell me again because I've heard that from you before. Like, just do something. (laughs) So this is my chance to, you know, put it out there and um, see see what people think of it. You know, get an honest feedback. And that was the the motivator for the Kickstarter um, was to let, people who who weren't my friends who would you know of course tell me nice things about something that I made that I think is cool like I want people who don't know me who you know get their honest opinion and so the kickstarter was kind of an avenue to test that out right no that's awesome so you touched on this a little bit but tell me you know exactly your your full background you know uh, you know from you know growing up to now that sure. kind of like puts you in this yeah i grew up in indiana Midwest kid, swimming, golfing, doing all that sort of stuff. Um, wasn't into biking. Like, I hadn't ridden a bike in, in a very long time. I went to college in Ohio um, and was a pack-a-day smoker. And I had a, like, my grandmother passed away, and there were a couple other things that were final motivators to, to decide that that wasn't something I wanted to include in my life long-term. And it was interesting. So I was in college, um, going into my senior year. And I, that's when I was quitting and I had added up how much I spent on cigarettes and it ended up being $1,700 a year. Wow. And so I took that money and I bought the most expensive used mountain bike that I could find. I bought this gorgeous Klein carbon bike that didn't have a down tube. I mean, it was the, it was really the coolest thing i had ever seen. And I hadn't ridden a bike since I was 12. And so the bike shows up, I'm in college and I realized I got to get special shoes to go into the pedals that it came with. And I had no idea how to like unhook them. So I'm like untying my shoe in my, my dorm room, trying to figure out how to get my foot out. <laughs> right. Like I had yeah. no business having a bicycle of that caliber, but I knew that I'd really enjoy it. And I, in hindsight, 
I needed something to to kind of fill that void or you know the the component of my life that was involved in the smoking. Right. That bike really changed the path of where I took my life. I ended up you know getting out of college, working in Chicago in the city and lasted there for about 11 months before I told my employer I had to I had to leave. I got I got to go west. <laughs> I got to I got to move to Colorado even though I've only been there for 4 days on a trip my senior year between that and working for them. <laughs> I mean it was just it was like a couple of insane choices where you know I left a great job. I was driving a bus in the mountains in Breckenridge, Colorado. I was getting into you know I got invited to do uh, 24 hours of Moab with the Breckenridge team one year and had a buddy who who was into adventure racing who taught me you know, oh, I'm like, what's adventure racing? And he says, oh, well, it's, you know, kayaking and mountain biking and trail running and navigating. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't do any of those things. I mean, I ride a mountain bike, but, and, you know, he taught me the different parts of it. And we did a couple of races and I got hooked um, to the point where, yeah, that was something I was doing pretty extensively and got some big sponsors and had a team that, you know, we traveled quite a bit, had our biggest race in Brazil, a uh, five-day race down there. And yeah, I was just kind of living a cool life of running around in the woods and exploring cool places with really good friends. Um, and that's what got me into adventure racing and needing to solve a problem. And out of that came the slab bag. And, you know, it had some unique uses for me at that point in time. And it's certainly grown to transition to the new things I'm doing, which are, you know, my two and a half year old son, he rides his strider bike around with his slap bag <laughs> and proceeds to tell me like what he puts in there. And he's got his Thomas trains and he's got some band-aids and <laughs> it's hilarious. So yeah, it's That's been awesome. a really fun journey. Yeah. That's great. So what do you do currently? Cause obviously you're, you're just getting this business off the ground. You guys ended your campaign on the 28th of August is that, or of, of July, correct? Yeah. The 28th is when we, uh, when we finished the campaign. Right. And you raised 23,000 over $23,000, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just shy of 24,000. And our goal was a little bit more than 21,000. That, so that's awesome. That must be a nice little like sigh of relief, you know, to know that it was, your goals. it was, it was, it was not the. It was a roller coaster. It wasn't the the journey I expected my Kickstarter path would take me on. Um, it ended up very successful, and that was awesome. Like, it's interesting to kind of put yourself out there and find out if it's going to stick. Um, and it took it took a lot more work while it was active to do what it did than I ever thought it would. Yeah, but you know where we are now is a great place, and you know I. Most days I feel like I'm paving the road about two inches in front of where I'm standing, um, you know, trying to look up every once in a while and figure out where we're going, um, yeah. you know, as kind of this new opportunity. That's awesome. So since this is in its infancy do for a living. Yeah. So my day job, I own a company in Boulder, Colorado called Technology Helpers. And it's a company where we're the IT department for small and mid-sized companies. So anything that's computer, server, cloud, IT related, those are the things that we do. And that's what I do all day. And then at night, I do slap bag. 
Oh, I know that game. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. So like, you've been an entrepreneur. For, so how many years have you had had this business? Uh, I started my company in 2007. 2007. Okay. And yeah. so you've been an entrepreneur for a while. You know what it's like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen parts of it I'm, and I'm learning every time I do something, you know, I mean, every day is different. Um, but yeah, yeah, this is new, right? This is different. Like my, my business today is a service-based business and having a product um, is different in so many ways. Um, my only background uh, when it comes to kind of a product offering is I used to work for a company that was an outdoor gear manufacturer. So they made lightweight tents, backpacks. They were called Go Light, uh, based in Boulder. And I worked for them for four and a half years. And so I got to be around a company that made their own products, um, sold through a wholesale channel, um, changed their model and sold direct. So I got a chance to see some of the inner workings of those things, but yeah, doing it, um, doing it on your own is, is a whole new game. And certainly the market and the opportunities to connect with customers are very different today than they were when I was there. So, yeah. So where did your, where did your entrepreneurial drive come from? You know, what, when did you, at what point in your life did you sort of realize that you wanted to, you know, go out and do your own thing, whether it was a technology company or now, you know, a slap that. Yeah. I suppose I probably are always had um, an interest or an aptitude for, for that sort of path. Um, in college, I did what sequence and entrepreneurship. Um, and that was one of the more interesting things that I was doing. Um, but when it, when it comes down to like a choice, there was, you know, a, a time where I was coming out of that, that great job where I was working in the outdoor industry and I had an opportunity to go work at a firm where really, if you would have looked at like what I graduated college with and said, what kind of job should you have? Like, that's where I should have gone. Right. And I had this other opportunity to do the entrepreneurial thing. And it was really an, it was, it was a tough choice. I mean, it was like a very lucrative, safe place to be at this company, great opportunity to grow or um, not know what's going to happen tomorrow and try and put the pieces together, you know, while you're doing it. And that was 2006 or seven. And it's, yeah, it's afforded me some great opportunity, certainly a, a lifestyle that's um, free to create space for things like Slapbag. That's really cool. And I think uh, a lot of our listeners will definitely relate to that. It's, um, it's exciting. It's interesting, not really knowing what's coming and, you know, being able to sort of shape, you know, your, your future and your, in your career in whatever way <laughs> you want it to be, you know, what's most important to you. But that, that's awesome. For sure. Um, what would you say, you know, what would you say is something that's, I guess the first question is, is there anyone in the market, you know, creating a product that's similar to Slapbag? Yes, there is. Um, so, I mean, you're all familiar with, you know, the bento bags and the bags that mount onto the frame of your bike kind of right behind the stem. Right. Those have been popular for many years. I've, I've had them um, and, and use them with great success. Um, they, they do some things quite well. They hold food pretty well and they keep it nice and close. And certainly for someone who is interested in like the aerodynamic features of their bicycle, I get it. Like the slap bag, probably um, not going to win in your book on that characteristic. But I, 
I was moving with other things like, you know, people are tracking their Strava and their, I use map my ride, map my run. Like my phone is with me and I don't feel, I never felt safe to put a $600 phone in my bento box because, you know, it's held with a little bit of Velcro and it's kind of halfway up the side of the phone. It didn't really fit. Um, and I was never sure that it was actually closed. Right. So, you know, things are bouncing out and you're not paying attention. Whereas, you know, what ended up being the slap bag, um, it's very obvious, like it's open or closed and, you know, I'm moving about between the open and closed and getting things in my bike while I'm riding and doing stuff or, you know, I stop and pull over and my phone's right there, which is where my camera is, right? I'm taking pictures and when it's in my jersey pocket or behind some zippers in my backpack or something, um, you know, I just wasn't capturing those things. I'd come back from cool rides and I'd be able to tell people, but it's always fun to show. I think that's really awesome. You know, for me personally, I, I've had a ton of instances where, you know, I've been on my bike and, you know, not being able to easily access my phone to, you know, snap that photo has definitely been something I've thought about, but you know, you actually thinking about that and building a business around and fixing that problem, I think that's really cool. Um, but moving forward, tell me a little bit about the mentors you've had throughout this journey in building Slapbag. Well, so when it was coming to the Kickstarter choice, um, there was a, a really great event here in Boulder called Boulder Startup Week. Um, and one of the presentations, it's a week-long kind of tech entrepreneurial type thing. And I went to one of them that was when to kickstart. And there's a panel of four people who had done Kickstarters. Um, all of them had had quite successful Kickstarter campaigns. And I found a connection in that group um, just to really bounce ideas off people who have been through it, um, to ask questions, to have them bring things up that I had never thought of. Um, you know, strategizing what day do you launch on? Like what day of the week's better, you know, or are you pre-marketing so that on your first day you can try and, you know, hit a certain percentage of funding? Like there's a whole lot of components that, right. um, you know, that group had a lot of uh, really valuable information. Oddly enough, tonight um, at six, I've got two, two friends of my wife's who are coming, my wife who are coming over tonight um, to do the same thing with me because they're they've got something they're going to be kickstarting likely. So it's, it's fun to, you know, be in a position where I was asking a whole lot of questions and now I've gone through it and I have a new perspective and I might have some things to also share and it's going to be fun to, you know, get to share those with somebody who will be interested. Yeah. And no, that's the best part about entrepreneurship, paying it forward, someone who helped you, you know, cause no one does it by themselves. They always have, you know, a group of people who are specific, of people who really help them get to the point of success and like being able to get to that point where you can help others. It's, it just, it's such a great feeling, just feeling like you, you know, you're returning the favor. So it's almost. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, there's groups like the ones I met at Kickstarter. There's a, another person I met here in Boulder who, you know, he had a Kickstarter and gave me a, a media contact list to help try and get information. Um, I've got a cousin who lives in Ohio who has been asking me, every month for the last two years. Hey, what are you doing with Slapbag? Where is it at? And it's like, he's so excited about the idea and he had an early prototype that him checking in with me was extra motivation to get yeah. me to act on it. Right. So there's a whole lot of people and a lot of stories out there from my experience and just 
getting me to where it is now. And I, I'm sure it'll continue. That's really awesome. So tell me a little bit about the manufacturing process with the slap bag. Where is it made? You know, um, what is your commitment to sustainable manufacturing? You know, walk us through sort of that whole process. Sure. Sure. So when, when, so about 18 months ago when we were doing and finalizing our, our patent, um, I was sourcing manufacturers. I was working with, um, actually just pulled up some online, you know, search for manufacturer type things and found one that I liked the name of them and called them and then met a couple other ones and those kind of didn't pan out. And this one with, with, um, manufacturing here in the United States. So it's in Spokane, Washington is the partner who we're working with. Um, they really rose to the top. They work with me a lot on the prototyping process, which, you know, in the those 18 months before there were there were a lot of versions um yeah. because we were really trying to perfect the closure like the original slap bag 10 years ago it was great um but the closure sagged when you put a bunch of stuff in it um it hooked up to your bike but it didn't hook up to bikes with like steep stems very well you know if you think of like a cruiser bike when you have a steep stem it didn't fit on those as well as it did on other ones or it changed the aspect of kind of the way the bag hanged. Um, so I worked with them and we did version after version after version um, to perfect the way that the bag closed. And one of the, one of the last changes we made that was really helpful was changing the way that we cut the fabric to be more like a kangaroo pouch where there was some extra space. Um, some of the original bags were essentially just cutting fabric and folding it in half and sewing it. Um, but, you know, introducing that kangaroo pouch really created some opportunities for it to close better with more stuff in it. Um, and then we did a unique Velcro attachment um, where it hooks onto the bars so it can hook directly to a bar or it can hang below the bar. Um, and having a partner who could rapidly prototype type those things with me um, and get them to me, you know, within a two week turnaround or a three week turnaround was really great. So the yeah. partners that we're working with, they're, they're here in the United States. All of the Kickstarter bags are made in the USA and they've got a little sewn in tag that'll come inside the bags that show that. Um, yeah. And so that's something, I mean, we're really proud to be able to offer that. It's certainly at a, at a, at a premium in terms of cost. Um, it's not a decision to be made lightly um, in terms of like long-term, will it always be made in the United States? I would hope that we could accomplish that, but, but I'm not sure. Um, you know, we're doing a, a direct to consumer sales channel, at least for the short term, but we've had some interest from the wholesale channel and our current, you know, cost to produce doesn't leave enough room for that channel right now. So those are hard decisions to make, and it certainly um, introduces more complexity. If we look at something that's not in the United States, has longer lead times, things show up and they're they're made incorrectly, or oh, yeah. <laughs> right, you know any number of things. I mean, with the slap bag being such a simple product, it was in by intention that we delivered it through Kickstarter with one color, one skew, one size uh, to try and keep the offering. Um, one that we could understand and deliver consistently, right. you know, follow up on our promise. Um, and so as, 
you know, we look at other avenues or opportunities. We're really always checking back in to say, all right, what's, what's the risk here? What's the cost benefit on a change like that? Are we going to do something in a way that takes away from things that people really like about our product? And maybe one of those things that we'll hear from people is the fact that it's made here. That's really awesome. I think you bring up a really good point about just the logistics of manufacturing. And like you said before, being in a service-based business before this, you know, it's, it's a whole new world and it's such a like radically different business that you really got to get comfortable with, you know, all the steps and the process of building. You know, yeah. And figuring out You're so that. right. It's yeah. like, I don't yeah. know what I don't know. That, exactly. You know, that could be a problem. So I need to, I'm trying to navigate this in a way where I can reduce my exposure to a step that might, you know, change our course or end it. Oh no, I think that that's very wise. You know, one of the brands we uh, recently worked with Boulder Denim, they make uh, jeans, uh, they make very elastic jeans. So you could, you know, go climbing in, you could, you know, hang out with your friends, go out, you know, just very functional, comfortable jeans. And they did a Kickstarter campaign and they raised, you know, something like $90,000. And they said one of the biggest things they made uh, with manufacturing was just, you know, make, knowing when their production was going to be done. And they've had to back up their production delivery mm-hmm. dates, you know, like four times. Luckily, they're, you know, their backers are very understanding and they have a very transparent relationship with them. So, like, they don't mind, but it's just, it's something to very, just to think about, you know, if you're going to get into a manufacturing-based business. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and if you've got a Kickstarter backer who's getting pushed out, like, you know, that that's not ideal. Um, yeah. But it's certainly one of the possibilities if you're doing a, you're backing a Kickstarter. Like I'm, I'm backing two really cool ones right now, and yeah, if it gets pushed out, like I, I kind of get it, right? Like I signed yeah. up for it. <laughs> but you know, if I come on to, you know, the Boulder Denim website and I buy something and it doesn't show up for two weeks, or I go to Slap Bag and it doesn't show up for two weeks because I'm waiting on some container to show up, like. You know, the promise there is a little different or the expectation. Oh, yeah. You're so mm-hmm. right. So you've, you've sort of touched on this a little bit by saying we. You know, who, who is a part of your organization and what, is, what would you say is the culture behind it? Oh, yeah. Well, it's me. <laughs> it's me <laughs> um, and my wife um, and my product development team, which includes people like my children um, you know, my, my gear testers who are out there. Um, yeah, I mean, and, you know, a group of friends who have worked with me on, you know, my daytime job. So the, the person who does, who did all of our, you know, collateral and, um, all that for my daytime job also did the work for the Kickstarter. So, the logo development, the font treatments, um, the Kickstarter video, writing the script with me, um, doing all of the, you know, product photos and, you know, you got to do all these things to make it show up on Amazon. And, you know, when you go buy something up there, you see it and it's like pretty and it's on the bike, but the bike's kind of ghosted out in a white color. Like, um, you know, we've, that just doesn't happen on its own. Like, so Ryan of think to make, uh, he's the guy who's the genius behind all of those collateral pieces that have been really helpful to kind of tell the story. 
Awesome. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, it's a family and friend business, right? Like we had our Kickstarter launch party um, when we launched back in June and we had it at a, uh, a brewery in, in Denver that's owned by some friends of ours who before they were home brewing in their basement and they brewed some beer for our wedding. Like these are people who like we've known for many years and just trying to create connections that are just natural and uh, organic um, and a whole lot of fun, right? Like, yeah, it's been a cool journey. Like having something like a launch party, like you don't need to have a launch party, um, but what an opportunity to miss out on. Like you should have a launch party, like get all your friends together and just have fun. Like tell the world what you're doing, like share the idea. Yeah. That's what it's all about. What's the name of the brewery? We can give them a little shout out. (laughs) Yep, Joyride Brewing. Well, they're based in downtown uh, Denver. Yep, they're right outside of Denver, and their logo is a, a a large elephant riding a bicycle. So, a natural fit in many ways. <laughs> that's really great. That's that's great, and I, I think you touched on a really important point: the sense of community and culture in building a business. And I think that's why so many entrepreneurs start a business because they want to build something greater than themselves, not just create an awesome product, but create a community and sort of, you know, almost a movement, you know, to progress whatever it is that they're, you know, passionate about for you. You know, it's, it's cycling and, you know, getting outside. And many of the, the founders of, of startups that we interview are, are exactly like that. That's exactly why I started Ready Yeti, but I, right. Um, what would you say has been one of the hardest parts about starting Slapbag? Oh, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, I think the Kickstarter might've been the hardest part. And I think I thought it would be the easiest part. I think I thought it would just get people's attention and they would understand it and they'd, it'd resonate and they'd just get social or viral. You know I mean? I thought it would, um, take on this life of its own, right? Where it just creates its own energy and momentum. Um, and the surprise was, is that it didn't do that. Um, and it needed a lot of energy from me and, you know, the people who support me and who are on our kind of our family friend, um, team to get it over the finish line, um, and to succeed. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot different than I thought. And I think the parts of it that were the, the most different from my expectation were, um, I thought that media might pick it up. I thought, you know, hey, we're going to do a press release and we're going to um, try and get our story out there to the media and none of it hit. Um, we had a, a media list of like 192 bike-centric contacts and z- zero of those panned out. Uh, it was just, it was, uh, those parts were deflating um, and I needed to keep trying coming back more. Right. Yeah. So what ultimately made the campaign successful? What did you do? Uh, We were trying to get the word out to um, not just individuals, um, but to groups, Um, groups of cyclists, like um, folks who might be doing like um, touring rides and trying to get some traction from, from that area. Um, I think some of that was helpful. We got a couple backers that came in at that level. Um, 
And then really just trying to tell the story through the social channels that we had. So, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, trying to connect with other people who were in like circles or who would have followers who um, would be interested in the slap bag and trying to create a conversation with them. Um, I think during a lot of our Kickstarter, we were having a one-way conversation where we were just saying, hey, check us out. We're awesome. Um, and long-term, you know, we're hoping to get that conversation going both ways. And I think one of the things that will help that is as we fulfill our Kickstarter um, backers, right? right? Getting product in people's hands. You know, they're, they're super psyched, right? They backed us. They, they, uh, they think it's awesome. And we're all excited to like, get the bag on their bike. And I think once we get it there, I think that um, telling the story, hearing what people think, telling their story, um, you know, why do you get on your bike? Like, what do you, what do you love about it? Those are the stories that we're going to try and cultivate, you know, through our social channels or through our website. Um, those are the kind of things that you'll see coming once we get it in people's hands. That's really, really awesome. I like that a lot. What would you say has been one of the, is one of your biggest fears with slap bag and just, you know, having a business. Yeah. I think maybe going back to something I said before is n not knowing what I don't know. Um, you know, I get approached by a lot of different um, companies and offerings. Hey, we can, you know, get you into Dick's Sporting Goods or, you know, name the, the very large big box store of your, your <laughs> choosing. Right. But I mean, it takes takes big money to do that. It takes um, a larger risk. Um, and does the story get told? And can you tell it in the way that it should be told? Um, so really trying to find the right path is probably um, the thing that I'm visiting the most in terms of like, you know, where are we going? What are we doing here? Right? Yeah. Like we made a cool product. Like that's great. You know, 700 people are, you know, 700 bags are going to be on bikes like in a couple of weeks. That's awesome. But like long term, what are we doing? Like what kind of product is this? Is this more than one bag? Is it a bunch of different color bags? Is it going to be different size bags? I mean, we've already got plans for some cool um enhancements, different functions for this bag and certainly the the closure mechanism could turn into something that we haven't even thought of right you know we're patent pending on the closure and that's kind of um a path and a you know hopefully towards something that would be um turned into a full patent but like we don't know what's going to happen with those things and they take a long time so right. we really just got to play our cards um carefully so that we do the right things yeah, no, you're so right. And it, it, hindsight's always, always 2020. You know, looking back at the past six months, you're always like, I should have did, yeah. did that. Oh, I could do that. Idiot yeah, for that. sure. <laughs> I could do that right now for my Kickstarter. And when I meet with my friends tonight, I'm, I'm essentially going to be doing that against my own <laughs> Kickstarter to say, all right, here's my opportunity. Yeah. Yep. Would have done that differently. Would have tried to get enough backers so that we were at 50% in the first six hours. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah whatever it's so fun yeah you only know because you tried exactly exactly what advice would you give to someone I mean, this is per honestly perfect timing what advice would you give to someone who's trying to start a business in you know outdoor sports action sports 
or just the business in general? Yeah. Um, I think I would try and ask a lot of questions um, from other people who have gone through something similar. Um, I was doing that and I think I could have done a lot of that a lot earlier. Um, I was doing a lot of that in the two weeks before my Kickstarter. Right. Might be a little, might be a little late. Um, <laughs> could have been a little earlier. Maybe that's the positive way to say that. Um, so I would, yeah, try and ask a lot of questions. I think um, if you got an honest opinion from a lot of people in any walk of life and type of business they're doing, a lot of people are figuring it out as they go. And a lot of us have a lot of confidence because we've done other things that are similar. Um, but I think you have to have the confidence to, to, to walk it, like figure it out, you know, and maybe you'll do it wrong, but give it a shot. Yeah. You owe, you know, you owe it to yourself. You know, you got a great idea, like pursue it. Exactly. And what's the worst that's going to happen? It's not the idea that's going to be the winner, but you paved a path you learned a lot of things and you'll go down it a little further the next time with a different idea. Yeah, no, I think you touch on a great point that you shouldn't be afraid of failure. Failure is the best teacher, especially when it comes to starting a business. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've failed, <laughs> you know, with Ready Yeti or just past businesses. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't even have to be like a, a traditional, like, Oh, complete failure. It didn't happen. Like, the journey for Ready Yeti was full of failures and the journey for Slapbag has already been full of its own small failures. And it's like each one of those, we're like, ah, I'm going to do that a little differently next time. And then we write the ship a little bit and we go further. And now like, look at what Ready Yeti is doing. Like you guys are doing awesome. You're doing some really cool new things this year. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's great. So speaking of, the future, where do you see Slapbag going from here? You know, the next, uh, you know, next year, next five years, next 10 years, what, what's in store? Um, if I answered that with what I knew going into it, I think what I would have said is, so it'll, it'll be a kind of a platform for other creative products. Um, I've got a, a very cool product um, that, that may come out of kind of this, this experience, it's a totally different product. It's for making it easy to, to change at the side of the trail without, you know, being naked at the side of the trail. Um, or, you know, um, so that's what I would have said before. Um, and I think that's still true. Um, right now I'm really trying to spend my cycles trying to figure out what is slab bag going to become like where where are we going to um, find our best traction and our, our true customers? Um, and we don't know that yet. I mean, there are, there are some people who are using some of our prototypes. Um, so before the Kickstarter funded, somewhere in the middle there, we had a, a pre-production sample round where we have 100 slap bags and we've been distributing those to some of our media contacts, but then also to... Um, folks who tell us an interesting story about where they think they'll use it. So, um, you know, it, it may get a lot of traction on bikes and it may get a lot of traction in areas where we never thought of, like we've got people who are, you know, elderly people who are using it on their walkers. Uh, we've got people who are using it on crutches and wheelchairs. Um, you know, it's, 
it's really, it's, it's not just a place to like put your stuff, but it's maybe a place to like find your independence, you know? So when I look at my two and a half year old, he's on his bike and he is so excited that he's personalized this bike of his, right? He's made it his own. He's got like popcorn in there. And like I was saying, he's got the trains. And I think, you know, let's say I have to be in a walker because I injured myself or I'm getting old or something like you, a part of you, you're, you're giving up or you're losing. Um, and maybe you'll get a little bit of that back by feeling like you've got what you need with you. I don't know. That may be idealistic, but um, <laughs> who knows what will happen? Well, I think we might find traction in areas where um, we don't know yet. So we just got to be open to it um, yeah. and listen to the right things and not get distracted by hearing too much. That is for sure. No, I, I, I so I've had three knee surgeries with uh, skiing related incidents. Oh yeah. I don't learn <laughs> basically is the, is the moral <laughs> of the story, but you know, being on crutches for so many months with those, you know, injuries, I totally could see the value of a slap bag, just being mm-hmm. able to keep my cell phone or wallet or whatever it is, just getting around the house. It's just, I could totally see the value in that, but that's, that's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So what would you say has been the best part? You know, I know it's, well, I guess it's been a long journey since you guys started in 2005 and, you know, early stages, but what would you say has been the best part about running Slapbed? Mm. Um, I think some of the coolest parts have been with my son who uses it. Um, I have a son and a daughter and they both have slap bags on their bikes. And the way that he talks about his slap bag is very personally fulfilling. Um, and it makes me, um, proud that I've done something that he's excited about. Um, that's been a lot of fun. And I think the second one is the Kickstarter process, um, and getting it successfully funded. Um, that's, that's been something that was quite rewarding. Um, you know, our trajectory during the Kickstarter wasn't, um, wasn't very fast. Um, it was really slow and steady and getting it over the finish line, um, was very fulfilling. That was, that felt great. That, that, that's really awesome. So, um, and I want to take this uh, moment to, um, talk about the fact that we're actually giving away, um, 10 slap bags on readyeddy.com. We are launching the giveaway today, actually, um, September 13th, you can head over to readyeddy.com and enter. You'll learn uh, all the details are on there about Slapbag, the video from the Kickstarter, so you can actually get to know, uh, see what Chris looks like and any other details um, on there. And you can head over to slapbag.com. Um, and with that, Chris, I don't know if there's anything else you would like to uh, share with the audience. Yeah, well, thank, thank you for listening. Um please check out slapbag.com and make sure you sign up for for the giveaway. We'd love to be sending you one of those 10 bags and tell us how you use it. You know, we're finding that people are using their slap bag in many different ways. Um, great place to put your phone, listen to your tunes safely without having earbuds in your ears or, you know, just taking more pictures, being out there with your friends and family. So yeah, share your story with us. We'd love to hear how you're using it and what it's enabling you to do on your bike. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and this giveaway goes for two weeks. So it'll be ending on September 27th on Tuesday at midnight. So act fast and get over there and make sure you uh, reserve your spot to uh, have a chance of winning one of the 10, 10 uh, slap bags. And with that, Chris, I appreciate you um, for taking the time to share your story and tell us more about 
you know, slap back. So uh, with that, um, thank you. Thank you, Josh. Hey, Ready Any Podcast listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, then I would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie Podcast. I'll catch you next week.